Well, praise the Lord. It's a pleasure to be back with you this Sunday. Um, thank you for those of you who were praying for me. Um, last weekend, I went to Milwaukee for the funeral of my very best friend of almost 30 years. And uh, so thank you so much for your prayers. I appreciated them very much. So we're in week two of our series on church with one another in Christ. And today we're going to be talking about a topic called Flip the Fall. And we're going to start out talking about the fall as it occurred in Genesis. And we're probably all familiar with uh, the fall of Adam and Eve in the Old Testament. Um, God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to care for it and The serpent convinced Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she ate from the tree, and then she also gave some of that fruit to her husband, and he ate, and their eyes were opened. And we're going to start reading in Genesis uh, at measure, a measure, musician, measure, (laughs) verse, verse 8 of chapter 3 which you can find on page 2 of your pew Bible. It will also be on the screen. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Got it. Okay. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to the man he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. So what we discover in reading that chapter in Genesis is that because of their disobedience, Adam and Eve suffered the loss of many things. Previously they had a perfect relationship with God, and now as he comes to the garden to meet them, They are hiding from him because of their shame. They also had a great marriage, but now they are playing the blame game. Adam blamed Eve for their failure, 
and Eve blamed the serpent. So men, it's not a good idea to blame your wife when you fall into temptation. Um, But because of that, you can see there are some issues now going on in their marriage. And as a result of their sin, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And Adam was sentenced to hard labor in the land, whereas before the land was very fruitful for them. Now he will have to work hard to get anything out of the ground. And for Eve's punishment, she will now bring forth children in pain. And reading further into the next chapter, in chapter 4, we find that not only was their relationship with God affected by their sin, and not only was their marriage relationship affected by sin, but their children uh, now have been affected by sin because we know the famous story of Cain and Abel, where Cain kills Abel. And so now we have uh, enmity within the familial relationship. And any of us can look around in our lives and in the world around us and see the effects that their sin has had upon the world. Being descendants of Adam, we experience that loss. And so what we discover in reading Genesis chapter 3 is that because of one wrong choice, one disobedient decision, they experience loss after loss after loss after loss. And there's no area of their lives that was not affected by the one decision that they made. It was devastating for them, and it continues to be devastating for us. But the good news is, is that Jesus has reversed the curse. He has reversed the effects of the fall. And I want to read another passage for you regarding that, and it's in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 verses 14 through 22. And it's not going to be on the screen because I'm reading from a different translation. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation because I really like the way that it's laid out here. So I'm going to read from uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 14. And it says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body... On the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. And in the NRSV, it says one new humanity. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made 
part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So what Paul is talking about in this chapter is the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. And if you know anything about that, you know that they didn't like each other very much. Uh, They notoriously did not get along. And one of the main dividing elements um, among them was the law. The Jews had the law. The um, Gentiles did not follow the law. The Jews um, circumcised themselves according to the law. The Ephesians, the Gentiles did not circumcise themselves. The Jews had certain dietary laws that they followed. The Gentiles, again, did not follow those same laws. And so there was even a place in the temple where Um, was called the court of the Gentiles. And so the Gentiles could only come into that one particular area and they couldn't go any farther in, otherwise they could be killed. So it really was a very distinct um, difference between the two and a lot of hostility and animosity between the two groups. And so their cultures divide them and the laws that they adhere to divided them. But Christ came and abolished that law and did away with the hostility that existed between them. And Paul teaches us in this chapter that Christ created one new group out of these two very divergent different groups who didn't like each other very much. And they were no longer now to see themselves as Gentiles or Jews, but they were to see themselves as one new humanity. And that's what I really wanted to talk uh, to us um, for a few minutes about this morning. You know, that's the thing that Christ calls us to. You know, once we come to Christ, we are to consider ourselves of one new humanity, one new people group. You know, and if you look at um, the world and look at us as, as people, the same kind of things that separated them separate us. You know, we, we eat different things uh, based on maybe where we grew up in the country or how we grew up. Um, we eat different things. Sometimes we're divided by the neighborhoods um, that we live in. I noticed that coming to uh, Cincinnati um, from, from California. We live in different neighborhoods. You know, not that there's not any mixing, but but we do have those separations uh, geographically. We can be separated sometimes by our economic level, our income level. Sometimes we tend to associate more with people who are at the same economic level. Our children go to the same schools. Maybe we went to the same schools or whatever. We we just tend to have those kind of differences among us. And and just like with the Jews and the Gentiles, sometimes those differences can be places that breed hostility. And so I find that this passage really speaks to us as God's people, that we have differences, and, but those differences are not to be places of division. And the reason why they're not to be places of division is because we are now in Christ. And what Paul is saying here is that because we're in Christ, those things that might be different about us are not to separate us. And he really emphasizes here that we are not to be what we once were, but we are to be one new humanity, one new people group. And it really jumped out at me. It reminded me of one of my professors in seminary wrote a book um, entitled Paul, a former Jew. And she talked about how when Paul came to know Christ, everything else in his life was subjugated to that relationship. 
You know, in Philippians chapter 3, it talks about, Paul talks about all the things that he had. He was a Hebrew of Hebrew, Hebrews. He persecuted Christians. He, you know, he really adhered to the law. But all of those things that were gained to him in his previous life, he counted those as lost for the cause of Christ. And that's the same kind of thing that God calls us to do. You know, um, I'm an African-American. I know you didn't know that, but I'm African-American. And, um, you know, the, we, we have a certain history uh, in this, in this uh, United States. And, you know, there's no denying that. And, and I honor that and I respect it and I, I want to work toward uh, more harmonious relationships. But um, what, what is most important is who I am now in Christ being a Christian. That is my main uh, method of identifing myself. It, does, it doesn't mean that I cease being black. I can't change this, barring some illness or something like that or some accident. This is my color, but my color is not what identifies me. It should not be what identifies me, and it, and it should be the same for all of us. It's not our race that is the most important thing, not that thing. Um, in that book, it talks about the fact that Paul, she thinks that Paul thought of uh, Christianity as though it were a third race. And that's such an exciting thing for me to think about is that, you know, there's something now that really brings us together that goes beyond what we started out to be. We started out to be different colors and of different ethnicities, but now as Christians, we enter in something that is a third race and what's so unique about that is now we can all be one. We can all be the same thing if we identify ourselves with that third race. And if I was trying to think of how to illustrate what that would mean for us. It's like if you were filling out a form of some type and you had to indicate African-American, Caucasian, Latino, um, Asian-American, whatever it is, that you, box that you check. Um, and one of those boxes said Christian. And that's that other race now that we're a part of. Or maybe it was be the case that none of those other identifiers were there, but only you could check Christian or non-Christian, and that is your race. And what a wonderful thing that Paul is teaching us here is that we are not to be uh, identified by black and white, but we are first to be identified as Christian, and those things are secondary. Yes, we have a history. You have a history like I have a history, and a, a rich history, and we want to pass that on to our children. But as Christians, when we come together in the body of Christ, we are to be one new humanity. And I think it's such an important thing for us to really grab a hold of because we're in this series and we're going to be meeting with each other over the next several weeks. And we're really striving to make some differences in our church and in this neighborhood. You notice that the, the flavor of our church is changing and it's such a wonderful thing. But we have to again push into that more um, purposefully. And sometimes that makes us feel a little uncomfortable um, because it means that maybe I have to step outside my comfort zone and have a conversation or build a relationship with someone who doesn't look like me, someone who doesn't come from the same neighborhood that I do, um, and, and have a relationship and build a relationship with them. But that's what we're called to do as the body of Christ. And no one else can do that 
better than us. Amen. The church, is, the church is the mirror for the world or the window for the world. They are looking at us because if we don't do it, we really can't expect them to do it. And so that's what this whole message is about in, in, in Ephesians. These, these two groups who are diametrically opposed to one another. They don't eat the same things. They don't abide by the same laws. The, the Jews were God's special people, and now these other people are coming in, and they're having some, some problems with that. But what we're called to do is to receive everyone as though we were receiving Christ because we are his a, a ambassadors to the world. And so, therefore, we don't let these things that divide us cause hostility uh, among us. We are to embrace those differences. And the thing about it is that's what completes us. I love uh, that song that I asked the choir to sing um, before they left. You know, I need you. I need you. You need me. We need each other to survive. And I wonder sometimes if we really live our lives and understand that we really do need each other. God gave us to one another. And, you know, I might not like some of the things that you do. I might not, you might not like some of the things that I do. You know, but we're working this thing out. We're working this thing. We are called to be together. And I think it's so important. I think in this time in our church, it is so important that we don't let this moment pass us by. Because if we let it pass us by, it would be to the detriment of us and to our community and to this city and to the world. And we will not truly be living out the gospel that God has called us to. We are to be one new humanity, not black, not white, not Latino, not Asian. Not that you aren't those things, but first and foremost... You are to be a Christian. I am not a black Christian. I am a Christian who just happens to be black. You are not a white Christian. You are a Christian that just happens to be white. You just fill in whatever fits in that blank. And that really, I mean, just the idea, the thought of what that looks like, that we can come together without labels um, other than the label that Christ gives us, is such a wonderful thing. And it is such an exciting thing because it opens up so many doors. We have the power to make a difference. We have the power to make a difference, and we have to commit to doing that. So my challenge to us during these next few weeks that we have together, my prayer is that this just won't be something that goes for the length of this series, but it will really be a place where we have a spark that gets us going further down this road of really living life together, doing life together, building relationships that go beyond race and economic, socioeconomic status against educational level, against whatever, uh, that we would really commit ourselves to doing that. And, and in your group, maybe there's someone, you, maybe you're in your group with someone who you know, uh, but maybe there's someone who you might not necessarily um, usually communicate with. Really go out of your way to get to know that person, to get to know a little bit about their experiences and their culture, because that is your sister or your brother in the Lord. And so my call for us is not to be defined by our race, but to be defined by our relationship in Jesus Christ. Amen.
I mean, that's just a simple message for us today. We are called to be Christ ambassadors, to be Christ people in the world. One new people group. Amen? Amen. Amen. That excites me.